0: Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Michael Saka.
1: And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talked with Kat Bobbitt, the co-founder and CEO of Standin.io, uh, which will soon become Kinetic. What do you guys think?
0: Well, uh, design products are always near and dear to my heart. So uh, it was really interesting to hear about how they approach getting early beta users and engaging them and even learning from them, doing those early customer interviews. And so what did you guys think? Yeah, they, they actually started off their first product as a plug-in for Photoshop, and as they realized some, some changes happening in the market and how designers are using different tools, they decided to do a pretty big pivot or iteration, and it's cool to hear about the customer development that they did and what they learned going through Techstars that helped them go down that path. So let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy. This week, I talked to George Diab of Working On about why he uses Hover.
1: Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I've been using it for a long time. Probably 2012, I think. I love it. It's yeah. The prices are great. The interface is awesome. And... Um, I still have a few uh, domains out in, in some other places and it, it, I'm just waiting to find some time and I'll move them all to the Hover a okay. little bit. Yeah.
0: Go to hover.com and use the code satisfied customers to get 10% off your domain purchase today. CodeShip is a hosted continuous delivery service focusing on speed, security, and customizability. You can set up continuous integration in a matter of seconds and automatically deploy when your tests have passed. CodeShip supports both your GitHub and Bitbucket projects, and you can get started with CodeShip's free plan today. Should you decide to go with a premium plan, you can save twenty percent off of any plan for the next three months by using code RocketShip. Go to CodeShip.com/rocketship and check it out. All right, so so Kat, you guys um, you guys started as StandIn at StandIn.io, and now you're you're kind of moving on to the second. Uh, phase of it, which will be Kinetic. Tell us a little bit about um, your vision for Kinetic.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So, we started our journey by making a um, small Photoshop plugin because we really wanted to test our theories about bringing prototype into the designer's workflow. And, um, you know, we had lots of great customers and a lot of great conversations, and we really realized that where we needed to take this was a full Mac app an experience that allowed designers to use Photoshop or Sketch and bring their designs in and allow designers to create interactive um, prototypes on the actual device that the designs are intended for, as well as design interactivity in motion without coding. So all of this is done within the designer's workflow. So as they make a change in the visual, they, it sees it upda- update on the on their device.
0: Interesting. So where did the idea from this... Um, what you know what was the inspiration behind you know the the problem?
2: So, um my background as well as my co-founder's background, we both come from mobile design. Um my co-founder is both a designer and a very talented developer, and um, I specialized um, mostly in Android. I love working on Android products and solving Android problems. Um, I worked in-house over at Dell, working on the um, hardware and software solutions for them. And then I moved into being um, an art director here in Portland for um, a mobile agency. And we were solving problems for companies like Intel and Samsung and HTC, T-Mobile. And, you know, we were training junior designers, working with designers, managing teams of designers and trying to get designers to understand that they need to look at designs on the actual device. Um, you know, it's really hard, especially if they're coming from a background that's mostly web or print. And so we found that there weren't any great tools for that. There weren't any great solutions to help designers communicate their designs to clients and stakeholders and other designers. So we decided to make it.
0: So you developed an initial plugin for Photoshop. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of... I, I guess, was that supposed to be a prototype? Was, was that a learning experience? How did you guys <laughs> view that and kind of the journey to this full uh, Mac app?
2: Well, startups are all about hypothesis and having a hypothesis and testing it and making sure that your assumptions are correct. And if they're not, make changes as soon as possible. (laughs) And so the plugin for us was this hypothesis, this test of, you know, we know that from our experiences working in this industry for many, many years that being able to bring prototyping into your workflow is so important. Um, And then, you know, we wanted to start with Photoshop because that was... Um, you know, that was what we used. And it was interesting, actually. Um, So when we started this journey, uh, Photoshop was, you know, it was the dominant Mm -hmm. uh, player in the space. And then in a few short months, I would say about six months, that changed completely. It inverted to Sketch. And that was something that we saw from doing, you know, so many different customer interviews from anyone that's a freelancer, small agency, large agency, or even, um, you know, kind of large startup companies everyone was switching the sketch. And so we were like, okay, our hypothesis has changed and we need to adapt and make this something bigger.
0: Very cool. And, and so did you guys find out, you guys went to tech stars up in Seattle. Yeah. Um, how did that help you kind of with um, the decision to move into the full? And I mean, maybe even just give us some insight for people who are, are curious about the tech stars experience.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, So Techstars helped us in so many ways, Um, but I think my favorite part about Techstars and what um, Andy Sack really helped us with was um, kind of the customer development of you need to talk to as many people as possible and just listen to them, Um, ask them questions and figure out really, you know, what do they need and then make that for them.
0: Mm. So was it that process that led you to to the full Mac app?
2: It was. Okay. Uh, we were we were doing that process before Techstars and I don't think we really knew that we were doing that process until right. we got to Techstars. We were like, oh okay, we get it. We get it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, Techstars is um, you know, like um, the Portland Incubator Experiment, which we went through the year before Tech which is run by White and Kennedy. Um, that experience, those experiences really fundamentally put into our heads that Doing a startup is all about your community and finding the right community for you, whether that be a local, um, you know, incubator like Portland Incubator Experiment or one that has global appeal like Techstars, Um, you know, because running a startup is unbelievably hard. And, you know, I I think, you know, we're all so fragile, (laughs) we're just (laughs) fragile human beings trying to do this. And the more community that you have around you, the better you're going to be. So tell us a little
1: bit about how you've been acquiring the beta testers that kind of led you down this road, um, especially with something that requires people to change their workflow. Um, That's especially hard.
2: Oh, no, it definitely is. Um, And that's, you know, acquiring beta users has been really interesting for us. Um, You know, it started really about... um, When we had the plugin, we were working really closely with the Photoshop team, um, you know, Tim Riot and Joel Brandt, and they're amazing. And um, we, in True Startup Fashion, we put together a um, promotional video in two days and gave it to them because they're writing a blog post about us. And, um, you know, we got over 11,000 signups for our mailing list in about three days. Wow, that's huge. And so we were like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. It was scary. It was awesome. It was thrilling, but you know, we had this like a base of 11,000 people that we could email and, um, you know, ask questions to. And then, um, something that I personally like doing and I've had great success doing it is, um, reaching out to people on Twitter and, um, sending them emails that are just, you know, I have been following you for a while. I love the work that you're doing. I think that, you know, I would love to have a conversation with you and learn about your process because finding great beta users is all about finding great people. And um, I think the more that you can ask people about their process and learn about who they are and how the workflow works, and the less that you sell what you're doing, the better relationships that you'll have. And at the end of the conversation, you'll know if they're a good fit for you or not.
0: And are you, um, are you, you, uh, is it paid? Are you selling them on that on that call, or is this just a learning experience?
2: For us, right now, it's a learning experience.
0: Okay, so you're you're trying to get their workflow. Hopefully, they'll they'll use the product.
2: Mm-hmm. And exactly. are you
0: following up with them?
2: Uh, yes, a lot. <laughs>
0: okay, okay.
2: There's like the, there's this fine line between um, I feel like annoying someone and checking <laughs> in with someone. <laughs>
0: so what's kind of your what's your approach when you're doing that?
2: Um, It differs from person to person. So a lot of people are like, oh, I'm so excited. Give me the beta right now. And they have a project that's perfect for it. So they dive in that day, that second, and you're with them throughout that whole journey. And then, you know, some people have a huge pipeline of projects. And so you kind of, you talk with them and you figure out where you fit in, in their pipeline, and then you plan for that. So it's kind of two groups of like, I'm going to do this right now, or let's talk about it. Let's plan it, and then you know, in the next few weeks to a month to two months, we'll roll this on.
0: Okay. Are you measuring their engagement in the as you're going? Like, do you guys have any hooks that tell you, hey, they they've used it or they're opening it, that kind of thing?
2: Yes, we love Mixpanel. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. <laughs> i never used it within a, a desktop app, so I was curious.
2: Yep, it works. It's great. We love it. <laughs> cool.
0: Cool. Dot com. That's business.att.com.
1: So you kind of have two very different approaches to um, picking your customers. One is, you know, very personal and you're going after um, people that, you know, would be a good fit. Um, but going back to that initial group of 11,000, how did you kind of sift through that or did you to make sure that the people you were getting feedback from were the right people to be listening to?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. So, um, once we have that initial list, I sat down and went through all of the email addresses and um, my co-founder actually um, reportive was around and so he kind of uh, he built this tool that used reportive to kind of glean information about email addresses so that, you know, we could figure out like, oh, does this person work at, are they a freelancer? That's great. Let's put them in this bucket. Or uh, do they work at a small agency? That's great. Let's put them in this bucket. Do they work in-house? So we could kind of figure out where these verticals were and then go and try to figure out like which people are the best ones to talk to from those verticals.
1: And did you find a lot of consistent feedback or were people kind of all over the map?
2: Um, it's interesting, kind of all over the map, but um, we have a... Um, a, a hip chat room. Um, and it's just open. It's for support. And some of the best conversations I've had with people and I've had like multi hour conversations with people in there, um, is just sitting in there and listening to people. I think, um, you know, a lot of times you'll get really great direct feedback and it'll be, you know, pages and pages long and email. Um, but the more of a dialogue that you can have with someone and more of a conversation, the better.
0: So you guys had mentioned that your sunsetting stand-in um, because uh, people weren't quite getting the name. Um, <laughs> I'd love to hear like how you came to that conclusion and what was confusing them about it.
2: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a great. That's a great question. So imagine trying to write a name tag when you go to a networking event. Okay. And you write, my name is Kat and I'm a stand-in. <laughs> um, that was our first clue. Um, and it's also kind of hard to say. And so what we really needed to do was figure out a, um, a naming solution that was simple. It was short, one word, and really kind of got across the point of what we're trying to do. Um, we, we liked stand-in. We, we thought it was very clever, um, but we realized really quickly that something like kinetic is much better.
0: <laughs> and so how does kinetic relate to the to the product um, in terms of, you know, maybe functionality or or what it does for the user?
2: Yeah, our V two is all about motion. It's about allowing designers to design with physics and add that into their prototype quickly. So the way that we do that is, um, you know, through Sketch or Photoshop. We know all of the individual layers, and so you can select a layer and apply physics to it and build, you know, load in animations or a quirky animation when a popover comes in. Um, you know, this is really about empowering designers to be able to do something they weren't able to do before very easily.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. And there's a, a couple solutions. How is this different than like, um, what is it, uh, Marvel or FramerJS?
2: Yeah, so Marvel, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when we kind of started starting out, like Marvel and Plinto, they kind of fall more in the um, I'm gonna click through my screens, kind of prototyping. Um, and Marvel's doing something really interesting now. They're even starting to compete with another company called Pop, mm. where you sketch your um, you know, sketch your wireframes out and you take a photo of it, and then you add a layer, interactive layer on top of it. Um, and then you know Framer is on the opposite side of the spectrum. It's you know all about the theory. Designers have to code, and you have to to do a prototype. Here's the code. You learn it. Done, you're done. Okay. And we're very much of the opinion that, you know, I don't think designers necessarily have to code if they need to get their vision and communicate their vision really quickly. Let's give them the tools that allow them to do that.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's true. And it it really is, everyone should have their own workflow. It's a huge debate in the design yeah. community. <laughs> <but>
2: <laughs> yeah, and one workflow necessarily isn't wrong either.
0: Right, you know? right. It just is, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) So, um, what advice do you have for founders who are maybe looking to, to hire a, a designer in the early stages? Um, since you guys are so connected to the design community, what are some things that you found that get designers excited?
2: Um, I personally love when I meet a designer, um, Especially if they're a junior designer and you know they're really interested in mobile but they or you know design for devices and are not sure where to start, but they have this undying passion. Mm. And sometimes that passion is extremely um, productive. And sometimes it's kind of annoying because there's so many different <laughs> questions that you have to answer and different um, different theories that you have to, you know, help supply them with. But junior designers that have this thirst to want to make great things for people and there's like this level of empathy within them i mean i think are the best designers Mm, being able to understand who you're designing for and what they need and how to talk to people that's the that's the key for finding a really great designer
0: yeah no it's it's true um so you guys went to seattle you returned to portland um, we've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs from Portland. Yeah. What is it about <laughs> Portland that that drew you back and, and makes you want to stay there?
2: I love talking about this because I've lived and worked in creative communities all over the U.S. I started in D.C. I lived in Savannah. I worked in Austin. And when I moved to Portland, I was floored by the amount of collaboration and the amount of um, people that just make things and want to help other people make things. Um, And the level of non-ego that's here, it's Hmm. really refreshing. It's exciting. I think that's why, um, you know, festivals like XOXO do so well. It's because, you know, we're here in Portland. We want to support each other. And we just want to make really awesome things for other people.
0: Is there kind of a focus in Portland of the type of company or the... I don't know, the the industry that they kind of focus in or you know, is it kind of open?
2: I think it's actually really open. Okay. And that's the part that's really cool. So like there, there's, you know, small companies of like silversmiths and there are <laughs> people that, you know, one of the companies we went through Pie with, um, Switchboard, like they're all about, you know, creating more communities. And um actually just, just saying those two sentences, I realized that I think people and companies that thrive here Respect and love community.
0: Okay, interesting. And is there a, a like a VC community there, or are people going down to San Francisco raising, making their home in Portland?
2: Yeah, that's that's a fantastic question because um, it's something that we uh, we talk about a lot. Um, so Portland hasn't had a lot of really big exits yet. Okay, um, we have a lot of really great companies like Urban Airship and Puppet, um, but you know we haven't had like a huge exit so there isn't that level of angel investor here in Portland yet but there will be in the okay. next 5 years i i have firm belief that there will be um so you know people have much more success going to new york or seattle or the bay
0: okay and then they they but they do tend to return
2: yeah yeah do, okay which is great
0: <laughs> very cool yeah yeah so um when is the what's kind of the next step for you guys? Is there a date for the release of the V two and the rebrand?
2: There, um, it's in the upcoming weeks. We don't know exactly <clears throat> what date specifically yet, but it's in the upcoming weeks, and we're really excited about it.
0: So, how do we kind of keep up and and find out when that'll be?
2: Yeah. So, actually, go to standin.io and follow along on the journey, or you can follow me on Twitter. Um, my uh, handle is a voice and name. And you can also follow Standin on Twitter, which is Standin App.
0: Standin. Okay. Great. Great.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah. No. See, there's the Standin
0: name. (laughs) I heard at, and then, and then, yeah, I got it. (laughs) Um, So cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on um, and and sharing this with us.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocketship Podcast. If you enjoyed
1: it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm.
0: And be sure to check out our app discount section where we have discounts on products that we use every day, like Woo Themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today. See what
3: I could see my black shroud.